Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. The last episode of Recover Your Soul was titled, I Am Married to an Alcoholic. It's centered around the fact that my husband shared with me that over the last year, he had been continuing to on and off drink. And a year ago, he had shared with me that he had been continuing to on and off drink. For these past two years, I really had thought that he was choosing sobriety with me, that we were on this journey together. It's been a pretty intense time of realizing what's going on with him and evaluating a 30-year marriage, a marriage that has a lot of heart, that has a lot of love, that has been through so much together. In this episode, it's a conversation with Rich and I processing this, talking about his coming forward. What did he think? What was his reasoning for not telling me? What is he doing when he's making those decisions? How is it for him to be in that experience? And then also as a marriage, how are we going to come together? Are we going to choose to stay together? Is this a deal breaker for me or not? Where am I in this? I definitely got angry. I definitely went through a whole process of feeling all the feelings that we feel being married to or having relationship with somebody who is an addict. The truth is each of our situations are unique, but ultimately in soul recovery, it's about coming to yourself, turning the attention to yourself, making clear choices for yourself in your situations, in your lives that make sure that you never betray who you are. In my situation, I continue to want to work on this marriage with my husband. This is a very insightful, vulnerable conversation. I'm so grateful that he was willing to share his heart with this community. I hope you enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. 
for an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I am sitting here with my wonderful husband, Rich. Hello. First, I just want to say thank you, honey, for coming and being part of the Recover Your Soul community and experience and sharing this last section of our lives together and your experience and being willing to do this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I I get the call every few months and Mm -hmm. it's always a big deal. So here I am again. (laughs) I'm so grateful. The last episode was our story about being in Mexico and your sharing that you had been dabbling, quote unquote, dabbling in continuing to test the waters and drinking for the last couple of years. And it was highly commented on. There was a lot of feedback from the community on that particular episode that it really touched a lot of people. It really rang true for a lot of people who are in the same situation. And I just want to thank you for coming and continuing to be part of this process because I think this is important conversation. I listened to that episode just this morning and boy, oh boy, it's a grabber for sure. And uh, I hope I can do a good job of, of a follow-up because I've, I've just experienced it myself <laughs> listening to you. And I want to say that it was special in, in that it brought up a lot of thoughts for me around the big picture. I mean, that's a big picture for us. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues we had in the past, one of the things that I struggled with was like, oh, that's not the way I saw that happen. Or I wish you wouldn't have used that word or difference in perception. Right. Yeah. And what was surprising and refreshing is not the word. It grabbed me the clarity and the precision in a way of how you presented what happened that I just sat there and listened. I know it's making you emotional. Without the defensive posture kicking in of what I already mentioned, which was like, oh, that's kind of the way it happened. But Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of that. And so I could just sit there and listen. I, I think that leads to acceptance. I accept what happened. I accept what happened on our trip. I accept in myself that I'm wandering mm-hmm. through this this two-year experiment I've been on. In this episode, what I want to talk about is a couple things. One is we have this desire to continue to grow together, to grow spiritually together, to have self-development. I have a gratitude for that. And I think that was some of my fear that came up in you maybe starting to move back out of spiritual development and back into the old ways, which were so painful. What I want to express is that this is really going to be an episode that's sharing how we worked through it, how we came back from that, what the experience was for both of us, what your feedback is about what has this experiment and journey been for you? If there are other people in the community who have loved ones who are quote unquote, experimenting out there. And it's hard to understand what their process is or what their thought process is, maybe to glean some insight in that. So maybe before we talk about what happened with us after Mexico, I recorded that podcast the day after we got home. So it was very fresh when I recorded it. 
and now it's been about three weeks later. Tell me a little bit about your journey and what trying to use drinks again to fill whatever it was for you. Tell me a little bit about what that's been for you and why this was important to you. Well, you hit on that in the episode that I loved the way you said it. I was raised this way. Gosh, I want to pull your words up right now. I probably can't. It's how your family bonded. Bonded. Exactly. It was the way my parents drew us in and showed us love and handed us a drink. And we started to feel that that magic and euphoria. And then, oh, I love my parents so much. And look at me. I'm I'm an adult now. I'm drinking <laughs> whatever. Then it was anything that didn't have alcohol and it wasn't quite at its maximum adventure. It was also the reward. It was also bonding between all of my friends. I mean, I got it reinforced everywhere. Right. It was reinforced in the family. It was reinforced in the friends. It was reinforced in the adventures. And I know everybody's going to relate to this that, that is an alcoholic um, or not, <laughs> possibly, but it was it was everything. And yet my whole family, you could probably qualify. Actually, you can. You can qualify every last one of us as functioning alcoholics. We were never gutter alcoholics, mm-hmm. which I think it makes it a little trickier maybe sometimes. So then if I jump forward, that's the original point of of contact with alcoholism. And what it became into this episode and what has happened recently, you touched on how I wanted to stop drinking because I was being quite an athlete. Um, I had wonderful things coming into my life in my late forties and into my fifties that were travel, adventure, athletics, uh, sup racing, sup surfing. And I couldn't sleep and I wanted to be an, uh, an athlete, an athlete, <laughs> but what then it became just in the last two years was also something you mentioned, which is, geez, where's that, where is that nectar, that, that juice, that spark that you get when you add that in? I started to miss it, but I also started to experience, uh, I just started not feeling as good as I always did. Like, I even, I went to the doctor to get tested for low T because I'm like, what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know? And no, I wanted to have low T, so I had something to fix, you know? Nope, perfectly healthy. And so here I'm thinking, oh, I'm just getting older, you know? And I've been saying it a lot lately. Well, the point is I was dabbling in these two years, I think mostly to try to grab some energetic piece of the past that I just couldn't quite get a taste of anymore. Something that comes to me is what I say a lot and is not said just by me. There is a solution. Alcohol is a solution because it's been given to us as a solution our whole lives. And so you have to find something else to fill that void. And so for you, when athletics was able to really fill that void, it gave you the spark. It gave you that energy that you need And part of what happened the last two years was the pandemic. So there was a lot less ability to go out and connect with people and do the sports. And a lot of the competition shut down. And then there wasn't as much of a runoff in the rivers. There was a lack of water. There was a lack of water the last couple of years. So Mm -hmm. you weren't going out. And so 
I have taken my spiritual recovery journey in a direction. And the hard part for me has been letting go of not wanting you to tag on and be and do everything that I am being and doing. And so I'm there on the couch doing my spiritual work. And my observation was that you were waiting for the athletics to be something and it wasn't there. So there was, there was an emptiness. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a really good point. Another piece, just to jump right into one other piece of the puzzle, was my musical life just took off in the past three to four years, but especially in the last two years, Mm -hmm. the magic two years. And drumming is pretty athletic, but not like paddling. It's it's a little different. takes a ton of focus, a ton of practice, and a ton of commitment. And I'd put all that time in. And I'd get on stage and I'd play well and I'd get off stage and I'd be all happy and stoked. And then I'd watch my friends get up in the same night, maybe on the same bill and play. And everybody's drinking and I'm drinking non-alcoholic beers. And after about two or three of those, I'm going, oh, not, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And I think that is at least half of that door opening. And I'm like, oh, I'll just have one beer, you know? big deal. And then I think I really did just dabble that the good news is I I didn't go deep. I I just kept trying it over and over and over again. But that's so, so classic. It's so classic. And so then tell me to share your side. You do that and you know that that isn't what is happening at home or what's happening in our lives. You, what, you came, right? How does so, this relate? Yes. So what's the, in your mind, Rich, what's the justification that says, I'm not going to tell my wife what's going on? Well, it's super lame and it's the biggest excuse, pseudo lie in the whole world. But the the rationalization was just don't bring it up because I also felt like I had confessed and then I don't know if I'd only confess that once time, but then I'd confess again and I might make an empty promise and then I might do it again. And I was kind of just writing this experiment out. The biggest thing is recover your soul. I did not want to make a ripple into your world. Um, And I just, I convinced myself that just silence was better, that it was my experiment, not ours. And yet, you know, when I think about it, look at it, look back on it, it's it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. Never wanted to hurt you. Mm. I want, we'll see, and that's just it. The alcoholic wants to save you, wants to save us from it. Oh, it's just, just sweeping under the rug. But it'll always come up at some point, right? I mean, it just had to. And uh, we're down in Mexico and I had wanted to come clean because it, that year went so freaking fast. It's like, wait, you, you've you've done it for another year? It's been two years? And I was kind of like, wait, I guess. You know, it just went so fast. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, there it is. Another year goes by that I've had these experiments. And, you know, a couple times it felt okay. It felt kind of cool. And I think I told you the other day that it's, I think the hardest part is you, you can't get together with people so dang easily like my brothers and my new brothers in, in music by just going, hey, let's get together and have a beer, you know? And I just missed that. It, it was back to the family and the, and the old friends. 
It's just how I want to be around people. And that's the easiest way it would seem in, in my ego mind to do that. And I can still do that and have an NA beer or whatever. But somehow that's a big part of what not only had me doing it over and over this past year, but not telling you. Did you feel, because I started to feel a separation in us. I started to feel that piece where we had gotten so, so, so close at the beginning of the pandemic and had just really rediscovered each other. And I was starting to feel some old separation. Did you feel that? Absolutely. But but I also think there's a couple other factors you have to let in there. It's not so absolute. I, first of all, want to say that I am, I'm struggling, struggled a lot in the past two to three years, a lot. At the same time, I'm trying to apply everything I've learned. And for me, it's kind of a seesaw and it's, and that's what makes it hard. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've got, I'm, I literally am on like a sine wave at times. And I question it and I'm like, what's wrong with me? And this, this, and that. Do you feel like that part of you that's struggling with the aging, with losing your energizer bunny, nobody worked, no, I've never met anybody who can, could have worked as hard and done as much as you could in me a day. Me neither, but where is that guy? Right. So in that shift, in that trade of things, and you said you're trying to apply the principles, have you been a connected on your spiritual life. I mean, this is a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life is recover your soul. So have you been attached to that spirituality or do you do what most of us do, which is like on some days, but most days, not so much? Yeah. I mean, it feels kind of lukewarm. And like you said, some days, yes, not so much. And that's my sine wave, Mm -hmm. you know, but that being said, I have maintained a consistency of, I pray just about every night. Um, when I go to bed, I'm always very tired and maybe vulnerable. And that's when I speak to God. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed in the last few years is mornings are be- becoming harder and harder and harder and harder for me, which is so weird because I've never had issues. I love, loved getting up in the morning and what was I going to do that day? I got right after it. And when we raised our kids, they were so the opposite. You even were too. I was in a family of four and I was the only one who liked the morning Mm -hmm. and it drove me a little crazy. And I tried to convince you guys how great it was and change you. And now I'm suffering Mm -hmm. that same thing. And I'm like, screw this, you know? So I was trying to say that I've just been struggling, not suffering, but struggling a lot in the past few years. Shit. uh, The pandemic is no small part of that, but as the athletic experience did kind of plateau, the there's always that upswing when you start something up and there's so fantastic. And then how do you keep that going? You know, lots of things plateau. Mm-hmm. It plateaued. That's another factor. I was starting to name these factors. For me, it's aging, not feeling so great. The athletics plateaued. The pandemic kicks in, which added to that, as you said. And the only thing, as you questioned me in the, in the past couple of weeks, what came up for me was like, there I was again, reaching for some magic pill. Mm-hmm. I just keep reaching. Like I came home from Mexico saying, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work out. I don't like the gym. Not one of those people that just goes out and jogs or goes out and rides a bike. I have this chameleon adventure in me. I like to be having an experience on top of another experience and get physically fit <laughs> just mm-hmm. through that. 
because I did commit. Let me just say right now that I may have been bullshitting when I said I was probably like trying to come up with something in the moment to say, hey, you did it in Thailand. Let me do it right now. And when I get home, I'm going to recommit. And yet I meant it. So let me just say right now that I have a new sobriety date that is 1020. And I'm not proud of the last two years of experimenting. I'm actually grateful that it was a failed experience almost the, the whole time. I'm also grateful that I didn't go deep. I'd dabble every few weeks to a month and I'd be like, okay, I'm trying it again. That's mm-hmm. what it, it was just. And it'd be like, wah, wah, 20 minutes later. So I'm here to say it wasn't worth it. But what this whole thing points out is you're married to an alcoholic, right? I am. And, uh, Oh, that brings up some tears for you. What is the, what are the tears about? Probably. Whew, we could do two more episodes on how many arguments and complete chaotic bullshit would happen to my entire family so often. And every time everybody was drinking. Right. That, that reward. It's that I have our, so brain, much pain. our brain has all the memories of like the good stuff. And yet in your growing up and in our relationship, alcohol always fueled so much damage. We started this talk about it being a reward and a bonding. It was also the absolute destruction of everything. Yeah. All at the same time, which is the reason to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings us to when I recorded that episode was the day when we got back and I was in pretty good emotional shape when I recorded that. I was in good spiritual shape. And as the weeks went by, I started to fall into anger and into resentment and, um, and got to a place there was a lot more going on. Rich ended up getting RSV. My mom had the surgery. So there was physical separation. I'm gone a lot because I'm taking care of my mom. I'm sick all the time. <laughs> Rich is sick. And we have this agreement of someone's sick. Like we stay way away from each other. But in that, I started to feel the frustration and the anger and not trust whether your commitment to quit was real because you had told me a year ago that 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 was your intention. Rich could tell that I was pissed and he kept saying, we need to talk about it. And I kept saying, when we have a minute, we'll talk about it. I want to talk about that conversation because the soul recovery perspective is different. Those of you who are here because of Al-Anon, soul recovery is its own thing. And it has a a tenor to it that comes from Al-Anon, but it has its own thing. To me, having communication and rich and I's communication over the years has had its own sine wave of sometimes being really healthy and positive, and a lot of times just really coming from a pain attack place and a blaming and really painful place. And so here we are 30 years later, and my gratitude is that we continue to grow and we continue to work on it. So I believe in soul recovery that it is very important to share what's really going on with you from I statements, from a healthy place of expressing what your experience is, not necessarily um, wanting to change somebody else. 
So with all of that in mind, when we started talking about why I was mad, Rich, what was your experience of that conversation? Oh, <laughs> that my beautiful wife had held on to a boiling cauldron of hot lava and just blew like a, like a volcano. You used to surprise me with your thoughts and emotions, and it just kind of happened again like that. And, uh, and everything you said was correct, but you were pretty deep in your pain body and you were, I went from, from my experience, we went from, okay, you know, I know there's a little something wrong and we need to talk to like fucking catastrophic. But was it, was it, I definitely was in my pain body. So I want to take responsibility and own that because I think that it's, it's almost impossible to be in that level of deep emotional stuff and not have some level of our past pain or our pain bodies be true. But what I also feel like was a, a win for me, a movement forward for me is it's taken me a long time to learn how to be angry and not angry in a, you know, I'm going to leave way, which used to be the way that that was your fear that I've, I'm mad. So now I'm going to pack up my bags and I'm going to leave. But in a allowing myself to be, I was pissed at you for, for lying no, to me. That's you a know? great point. That, that's what I was going to try to say next. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you chimed in because it's so important because I, and I told you, I said, after I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> Oh shit moment. And I'm proud of myself because I stayed pretty calm, way less defensive I was just sitting there just saying, don't be defensive, don't be defensive. And then it was awesome that you could express yourself, could be angry, could tell me off because you never could do that. You, you'd just run back in the past because that was evolution for you. And I, I was sitting there saying, just try to listen, don't be defensive. Your, your energy came down enough to listen to me. My non-defensive uh, communication met the moment. And after about 30 minutes, we had calmed down and communicated. And I was kind of stunned. I was stunned. I, that has to be a world record for our time together for being going from catastrophe feeling anyways mm -hmm. to you walked in and hugged me, which it was pretty extraordinary. It was really extraordinary. That was a fast synopsis, but that's how it felt. Yeah. I think that what I appreciated about that particular conversation was that we can't always feel like every conversation is going to be, you know, and then you talk and then I talk and then you talk and then I talk, which is a great listening skill. I feel like we both allowed for the emotions without it being um, blamey and demanding but really i felt like i was able to really share you were how devastated i was you, you know yeah expressive maybe a little blamey but it was more in the spirit of get it out mm -hmm. you know? and my and my main point that i was making in it was we have this beautiful life together we have grown so much we have come so far and i refuse to go back that's I refuse fair. to go back. I was the same way. I'm sitting there trying to be quiet and non-defensive saying we have such a beautiful life together. Mm -hmm. There's a point where 
you said, I will not go back to this. I hate those people that we were. I will not go back to this. You were up pretty high and I said something. I wish, you know, you know, when you've said something good, I said, okay, then I'm an alcoholic. You're married to an alcoholic. I don't want to go back to those people either. So work with me. Mm -hmm. And that was like kind of in the middle. It was a shift. And that was helpful to me because then I could see that that is the direction that you want to go to. And I could let go of my fear. Uh, And I think I felt that you went from distrust to almost distrust back to some trust Mm -hmm. in that few moments. Yeah. Right. Trust is a huge part of this. Trust is huge. Massive. When we first started sobriety together back in February of 2018, my friend who is in recovery, who was doing those sessions with us and helped us learn how to communicate with each other and to use I statements and to not be blaming the other person and not to be pointing the finger and how to shut your mouth while the other person was talking, yeah. which were skills we did not have at the time. Yeah. One of the things that I remember her really saying that really rang true for me was you two aren't safe with each other anymore. And that was so painful to really realize that we weren't safe that safety is so important in our relationship because it's it's everything now that we feel like we can just be ourselves and and have it all so some part of me also was mad that you were out drinking and not telling me and that it was altering our relationship and now that I think about it there's a part of me that's sad that I wasn't safe enough to you that you would come and share it with me for fear of oh you would have been safe enough it's it was it's the selfish alcoholic that does that i mm. i think just to counter and drinking itself is not safe come on when you drink you do crazy shit when right. you drink you fight with your girlfriend your boyfriend your family when you drink you toxify your effing body right i mean drinking's not safe and if i wasn't an alcoholic Luckily, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I can see that. And luckily, in the past two years, I did what I did, but I also employed some of the things I learned along the way. I mean, I knew it was failing, and I I just knew it was, probably knew it was wrong, you know? So one of your requests in Mexico was that when you were going to do your recovery, your spiritual work, you wanted to do it your own way. So... For me and for the community members who have loved ones who are on the side of of learning how to stop, what does that look like for you? And what does my support for you look like for that? I think that's tricky because doing it my own way in this moment right here, I would say not necessarily that, just didn't want to do it in um, codependence, like you mentioned many times in this talk and in in the last episode that you've got to allow that person to struggle and be on their journey. It doesn't mean you can't do it together, but it also the trickiness of saying, I'm going to do it my own way means that that person might just stop drinking and be a complete dry drunk. Right. So that can be tricky. So I'm kind of a chameleon. I find myself, I have both right and left brain firing. Mm -hmm. I'm not all one or the other in many parts of my life, I love being connected to you and yes, saying we, and it's teamwork, but it's not codependence. Mm -hmm. 
um, I don't know, I can say it any better than that, that to again say, you got to love that person enough to let them walk that path and just support them without the judgment and, and the, and the ultimatums maybe. And then that person, maybe that man, let's take the male figure. You also can't let them kind of squeak around the work. Uh, let me do it my way. And then so they, what could, is, they could be doing any level. Yeah. So it. what does that look like? How do I support you or how do people support their loved ones? I got something coming up for me. If I just go to the, to the hard part, sometimes whether it's real or not, I feel you trying to lead me, trying to tug me, or I, I might think of that. Mm -hmm. And for a man, that can be a little annoying, maybe. Okay. Right. right. That's where it's like, come on, just let me do it my way. But also, I think it's willingness, communication, trust, and then package that all up into unconditional love. Because if you take all that, hopefully you're not going to get into distrust and pushing or just any of the other things. Manipulating. Manipulation. That's. I want to continue being in this place of positivity and connection and knowing that you want to have growth. Because for me, in our marriage, having spiritual and emotional growth is essential. It's essential for our own individual lives and for our marriage together. I guess my sort of question is, not only for you, but as the wife of an alcoholic, is there a line? Is there a place where I continue to want the best for you and want you to be doing this? How do I check in with you if it feels like it's not progressing without you feeling like I'm manipulating or leading? I think I already said it. My middle thing was, I said, trust and communication is, is what I'm getting at. You and I both just to speak for me, we retreat and for many reasons mm -hmm. when we're not feeling we can trust the situation, when we're not feeling connected, when I drink, we retreat. Mm -hmm. So one of the greatest things that you and I have done through our whole spiritual practice, and it happened kind of naturally, but as we got more and more sober and more spiritually fit, we'd sit on the couch and we'd talk. We have that share time. We have an L couch and Rachel's got her leg and I have my leg. And so we face each other at 45 degrees and we just talk. And um, quite honestly, that's sometimes what is lacking, I think, for a lot of people and, and in relationships because it's the drinking that's the talking. Like I said before, you don't even you don't have to talk about shit. You right. just say, let's go to the freaking brew pub and have a beer and that's mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and what spills out of your mouth it, it's talking but it's it's that catalyzed drink mm -hmm. talk real deep talking leads to deep connection mm -hmm. and i hold that out that's my desire that's my hope and that's why i continue to want to be on this journey with you we made we made an agreement when i came back after we separated it wasn't always easy, but there was a moment, there was a time where I promised you that I was in, and that was an important promise. And just like I hear you promising me, even though it's your own journey, that this is important to you, that this movement towards not having alcohol be in your life and having spiritual growth is important to you. And that's as meaningful to me as maybe hearing 
me say to you, I don't have a foot out the door anymore. Right. Well, I promise you that I'm in. I can also say that I envy that you're coming up on five years of sobriety and I could have been right there with you. Mm -hmm. But that leads to the fact that I can't guarantee that I'm not going to screw up someday. I can't guarantee because it happened. I wish it hadn't now. I was going to say that my hope is that we both live alcohol-free lives. It's really about personal development. It's really about not sitting on our laurels and falling into old patterns. It's really about us being our most true and fullest and brightest selves. To me, that means that every day I wake up and I go, alcohol is not a part of that. I'm not counting days. I'm lucky to have days to count, but I don't do it because I count the days. Every day I wake up and I say, this choice for me, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I know that alcohol would change it for me. That's the best reason. That's totally the best reason. And when I said I could screw up again, that didn't taste right to me. You know, it's, it's, it's a slip. We talked about it today, a, a word that somebody used is slip. And for me, it, if it's anything, it's, um, I'm trying to grab some magic bullet or some magic pill, but I just need to glean and remember what you're saying of how far I've come, how many amazing things have happened to me through sobriety. It's been awesome. And it's just easy to forget. Mm -hmm. You just start taking it for granted and go, oh yeah, but there was that thing that might make me feel really good. Mm Mm-hmm. The crazy addict in yeah. us, the sneaky, sneaky, sneaky in all of it. I so appreciate your willingness to come and just share this experience. I just want to finish by saying that my observation for myself and my hope for you is that really leaning into the spiritual place is where the comfort lies. And it actually reminds me of when we were first dating and I was staying over at your place and I woke up in the middle of the night crying one night. I just said, there's a hole in my heart. And I wasn't spiritual. I was always spiritual, but I was, I was very anti-Christian then from my, my upbringing (laughs) experience. Spiritually, but (laughs) anti-Christian. Right. And Rich was a devout Christian. And it was interesting that we came together in that. But I remember in the middle of the night that night, Rich, you said, that is the place where God goes. And that makes me, that makes me cry. Who would ever, <laughs> ever thought <laughs> because, that we would like flip positions right. and that this woman would come this far. It's extraordinary. It's a miracle. Because now we are in a position where... I have found spirituality has filled that hole in my heart in such an extraordinary way. And it may be God for one person and Jesus for another person and the sun and the stars or the cosmic consciousness. It doesn't matter, higher power, whatever it is, but there is something greater than ourselves. And so when I watch you struggle, what I hope for you is that you will find whatever your higher power is for you, whatever your spiritual path is for you, that will really give you the true peace and contentment that all these extraneous outside things used to give you when you were younger that change because life is changing and we get older. Absolutely. 
life is changing. And I've been trying to say for several years that I just want to meet myself where I'm at, like physically and in my abilities physically, which has always been what I relate to. So maybe for me, getting a little older, slowing down a little bit and needing to go deeper into my spirituality has become a little a little more work mm -hmm. for me. And believe me, it's great to have you in the lead mm. at this point. Well, thanks, honey. And helping me. Thank you. And not, not giving up. Yeah, we're not giving up. It's not easy. And again, I'm very lucky and grateful that I'm looking in the eyes of somebody who is conscious and genuine and vulnerable and open and honest. And imperfect. <laughs> and imperfect. And this is what feels right to me. And this is what feels right to our relationship. And, and it hasn't been over and over situation of being really devastated and hurt. And for a lot of people listening, that may not be the situation. It may be a different situation. So my close is each relationship is its own. And we glean what we need from our relationships around us and the people around us and the inspirations that we get around us. But you know in your relationship, whether it's healthy or not. Even with all of this stuff that had happened, my relationship with Rich has always felt healthy. And that's important. Because if you're in a situation where you do not feel safe, emotionally, physically safe, you do not feel like you have the ability to fully be yourself, it does not feel healthy, it's important to look at that and make some decisions that are really about your best life and your best interest. I'm lucky this is my situation. If, just like we said many times in many different conversations, if it takes a big turn, I might make different choices, but I don't see it making a different turn for you. And I'm grateful for that because I want to be married to you forever. I just needed some support. I do have the wherewithal to recommit. And maybe, you know, first assess the situation, do what work you can, but allow, allow there to be, you know, some failure. I mean, geez, all of the spiritual teachings say that you become stronger and you learn more through failure. So if there's failure, if there's just allow healing and recommitment, mm -hmm. I guess is a little bit of the moral of my, my past two years. Yeah. And as the other person, lean into your own soul recovery, lean into your own soul recovery, turn the attention to yourself and do your own personal work so that you have your connection and commitment to your spiritual life and to the truth of who you are so that you know in your situation what the right and clear decision is. Because no relationship is exactly the same. Indeed. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Thanks for sharing with the Recover Your Soul community. Always. Anything yeah. for you. Oh, thanks, sweetheart. Until next time, namaste. To close out this episode, I wanted to share a song that I wrote and recorded for Rich. It's called Fell For You. And I wrote it after we had spent a year together reconnecting during the lockdown of the pandemic. And it's just a little bit of our story. I hope you enjoy. One, two, three. 
when we met I was just a child Thought I was so grown up Had some time being wild I was looking For a good, strong
deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover Your Souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that would allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community with me and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.